ago with the good singing. And I know you've had some great preaching this week because I, uh, I know how the Lord blesses here. And I know we've got some great preaching coming up. So I'll try not to keep you very long. I have no idea how long this message will be because I've never preached it before. But we'll spend a few moments and think about it here in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 and verse 1, the Bible said, In seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now, our text is in verse number 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to preach a little while on blessed are the poor in spirit. And let's pray a moment and ask the Lord to help us just for a little while. Father, we love you because you first loved us. And we are thankful for grace and mercy tonight. Thankful, Lord, for what our hearts have already felt in the service. You sure have been good to us, Lord. And I pray now you'll help us in the next few moments as we preach to say the things you'd have us to say, the same in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I pray you'll help your people tonight. And I pray if there's one lost, you might draw them unto Christ. And then, Lord, I pray most of all, however you'd be pleased to do it, I pray you'd get glory unto your name. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I was reading F.W. Borum a while ago, an old writer, and he, he spoke about in the early days of America when, when uh, there was trouble with the Indians and they would come and you always had to be on the watch for them and be careful about them. And one day... There was a church that had gathered together and they were meeting in the meeting house and they did not know but the Indians were gathered around them. They were going to attack the meeting house and the chief of the Indians crept up. He crept up to the window and he was going to see what condition and what the situation was in and he was going to call for the rest of the braves to come and massacre them in the meeting house. But as he crept up to the window... He heard the preacher read this passage. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And as he listened to what they said, he crept back to where his braves were and he said this, If these be the laws of the white men, let them live and teach these laws to the red man. Because these are holy laws. When I come to this passage, and I think about the things that are mentioned here, and all these blesseds. The word blessed in this passage 
is the word that means to be supremely blessed, to be fortunate, to be well off, so much more than what we would think as happy beyond that. And then the word poor, blessed are the poor. This is an interesting word. It means to crouch or to cringe. It's a picture of a beggar on the side of the road, crouching with his head down and his hand out, hoping for something. But he thinks so little and sees the condition and position of himself. He doesn't feel worthy to look up and see the one that would be his benefactor. Blessed are the poor. Now when I read this passage, the poor in spirit, he did not say a petty spirit. Sometimes we'll find somebody who's mean-spirited and we'll say, they're in a poor spirit today. But that's not what he's talking about. A poor spirit, not a petty spirit. A poor spirit, not a purged spirit. There are some today who think they are poor in spirit because they eschew certain things in life and say, well, I don't go here and I don't do that and I don't say this and I don't watch that and I don't listen to that. That makes me poor in spirit. But that's not what he's talking about in this passage. It is not a petty spirit. It is not a purged spirit. It is a poor spirit but not a pouting spirit. There are some today who would consider themselves poor in spirit because they're always running their own selves down. It is a false humility. It is a hypocritical poorness. Well, I just wished I was like so-and-so and I wish wished I could be better than so-and-so and they're always running themselves down. That isn't what he's talking about here. He is talking about a right sense of our worth. He's talking about humility. He's talking about the opposite of haughtiness and arrogance and pride. He's talking about being broken in order to be useful in the hands of God. I read where Oliver Cromwell came into a came into a cathedral in England in Yorkminster and his attention was drawn to 12 silver statues of the apostles. And he said to someone there, who are those fellows? And the fellow said, why those are the 12 apostles made of silver. He said, bring them down and melt them down and put them to work. So they melted the silver down and put it in the treasury and used it to help those in need. I'm afraid there's a lot of us are like those 12 apostles. We're set up and what we need is to be melted down so we can become useful. He's talking about dealing with pride. Some of us are like the little girl I was reading and she had a flower garden. And one day for a present her mother gave her a watering can. And she went out and she was getting ready to water the flowers and it began to rain. And she ran back in upset and said to her mother, Mama, doesn't God know I have a watering can now? Some of us are like that. We've got what we need and we don't need God anymore. But the Bible said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now stay with me because this may get better or it may get worse. I don't know. 
I want to talk to you about pride for a moment. And then I want to give you three characteristics of the poor in spirit. When I study about pride in the Bible, pride was the first sin ever committed in the universe. The devil lifted himself above the throne of God. Pride was the first sin ever committed on the earth. It is why Eve wanted to eat of that fruit. She wanted to be as God, knowing good and evil. I believe what he means is, what it means is, she wanted to decide what was good and evil. Pride is the first sin mentioned in the list of things that God hates in Proverbs 6. Pride is the first sin standing in the way of revival. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Pride is the reason men will not seek God. The wicked because of his pride will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Pride turns good work into sin. The writer of Proverbs said a, wick, a, a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. How could plowing ever be a sin. Well, when you go out to the farmer and tell him he needs God and he looks you in the eye and said, hey, wait a minute, I got up before you did this morning. I was out in the field plowing. Why do I need your God? When he puts his work above his need for God, even a good work becomes sin. Pride caused Saul to lose his crown and commit suicide. Pride caused Nebuchadnezzar to crawl on his hands and knees like an animal for seven years. Pride caused Uzziah the king to become Uzziah the leper. Pride was the reason Jonah would not go to Nineveh. Pride causes the destruction of, a, of nations. Pride is a terrible sin. Pride is the insignia of man. Humility is the insignia of God. Man seeks the highest seat. Jesus took the lowest seat. Man aspires to be a God. Jesus who was God became man. Man desires costly dwelling. Jesus began his ministry in a manger. Man strains at wealth. Jesus became poor. The Bible said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might become rich. Man, uh, man disdains his inferiors. Jesus chose the outcasts and the poor. Man chooses the renowned to lead. He chose 11 humble fishermen. Everything about Jesus rebukes our pride. Every part of his life. The pride of ability. Here's what he said. I can of mine own self do nothing. The pride of birth and rank. They said, is not this the carpenter's son? The pride of intellect. As my father hath taught me, I speak these things. The pride of learning. How knoweth this man uh, all these things, having never learned? Uh, the pride of personal appearance. The Bible said he hath no form nor comeliness, that when you see him you shall desire him. The pride of reputation. He was a friend of publicans and sinners. The pride of respectability. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? The pride of self-reliance. He went down to Nazareth and was subject unto them. The pride of self-will. He said, I seek not mine own, but the will of him that sent me. And in the garden he said, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. The pride of success. He was despised and rejected of men. The pride of superiority. He said, I am among you as one that serveth. The pride of wealth. The son of man hath not where to lay his head. Everything about Jesus is contrary to the pride of mankind. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's talking about us humbling ourselves. Now having said those things, I have three things I want to say to you and I'll be done. 
I want to give you three characteristics, I believe, of the poor in spirit. Now, Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mark says, blessed are the poor. And so there are some commentators and students of the Bible who seize upon Mark's, uh, uh, Mark's scripture and say, well, he's talking about the physically poor. But I don't think that's what he's talking about. I don't find anywhere in the Bible where the poor automatically inherit the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about physically being poor, but he's talking about what Matthew said, poor in our spirits, recognizing our poverty without him. Now, I want you to think of three things. Number one, the poor are extremely desirous. So what do you mean, preacher? They desire something. They want something. The poor are not satisfied with what they have or where they are. You know what the poor are always about? They're always about getting something a little extra. They're always about having something more. They are always about improving their present condition and their present position. I'd like to tell you, when you and I are poor in spirit, we are never satisfied with where we are. We are never satisfied with what we have. We are never satisfied with what we've done. We want to be better in our praying. We want to be better in our Bible study. We want to be more faithful. We want to have more of the Spirit of God. We want to walk closer to Him. I tell you, friend, if you're satisfied with where you are, it's an indication that you're not poor in spirit. Somebody said, I don't know what to think about these people that come to the altar all the time. Well, let me say this. I don't know what to think about those people who never come to the altar, who never have a need, who never cry out to God, who never see a lack in their life. I'm going to tell you the closer I get to God the more I see how lacking I am the more I see how much I need Him. The more I want to better my condition. You remember what Paul said? This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He didn't say that the day after he got saved. He didn't say that a week after he got saved. He didn't say that a month after he got saved. He said that after years of being a Christian. He said, I'll tell you what I am. I'm the chief of sinners. I'm going to tell you something about advancing in your Christian life. The further along you get, the closer you get to God. The more you realize how far short you come of what you ought to be. The poor are extremely desirous that they'd be in a better condition than they are. You remember the Pharisee and the publican? The Pharisee said, I thank thee, Lord, that I'm not as other men. I'm not an adulterer, all this stuff. I tithe. He said, I'm not like this publican. You know what his problem? He was rich in spirit, not poor in spirit. Well, over there in the corner was this little publican. He knew what he was. He's not lifting his head up and saying, I'm thankful I'm not like others. He's down on his knees. He won't even lift his head up. He's smiting his breast. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He said, I need something better than what I've got. I need the mercy of an almighty God. I tell you, one way you know you're poor in spirit is if you're desirous that God would do more, that God would change you, that it make you more like Christ our problem is we're too satisfied too settled too satisfied with where we are 
not only are the poor in spirit extremely desirous, but the poor in spirit are like the poor. They are entirely dependent. If they're going to get something, it's going to have to come from somebody else. If they're going to get somewhere, somebody else is going to have to supply the resources and supply the power. They are entirely dependent on someone outside themselves. And you and I get a little too independent. We get a little settled. We say, well, I can handle this. I'm talented. I'm prepared. I'm practiced. I'm polished. i got a good outline. I know how to preach. We get a little bit too independent of God. But dear friend, when you're poor in spirit, here's what you do. You'll get before God. Oh God, I gotta have your help. Oh Lord, I've got a need. I can't meet the need. If you don't help me, nothing's gonna get done. I thought about in the Bible how often God uses nothingness. Nothingness. Now there are more, but I thought of these three examples. Matthew 15, 32, Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. They had nothing to eat. So you know what Jesus did? He took five loaves and two fishes and gave them enough to eat with 12 baskets left over. He has a habit of using nothingness. He said they have nothing to eat. Then I thought of this. In John chapter 2, his mother came to him at the wedding feast and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said, fill those water pots up to the brim and he turned it into wine. What did he do? He worked with nothingness. Nobody else could supply it only Jesus could supply it then I thought of this uh, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 6 that lame man's laying at the temple then Peter said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk first they had nothing to eat then they had nothing to drink now they have no money but Jesus he specializes in using nothingness uh, to bring about somethingness uh, I'm saying to your friend the poor are entirely dependent on someone else. Not only are the poor extremely desirous and the poor entirely dependent, but then let me give you this last one. The poor are easily delighted. You don't have to do a lot for them. You just do a little something and they'll be awful glad about it. Now you and I in America, we don't know really a lot about poverty. I remember I was pastoring one time. I had $7. I'm not talking about beside what I had in the bank. I'm not talking about beside what I had hid under the, uh, under the uh, mattress. I'm not talking about beside what I had squirreled away in my wallet. I had $7 to my name. And I was walking down the road and this man walked up and he said to me, I, I, I'm in trouble, mister. I'm, I'm in a lot of trouble. I need some help. Do you have anything? I got my wallet out and I gave him my last $7. He looked at 
that seven dollars and he got mad. He got angry. He said, seven dollars? You're going to give me seven dollars? I felt like saying, well, if you don't want to give it back. But you see, he wasn't really poor. He wasn't really, he wasn't really in poverty. I tell you, somebody's in poverty. You give them just a little bit. They'll think you gave them the whole world. Somebody that's poor in spirit, you just do a little bit and they'll spend the rest of their day saying, boy, that man was good to me. Boy, that man blessed me. I'm going to tell you, when we're poor in spirit and God does just a little bit for us, we want to shout. We want to praise Him. We want to give Him glory. We're We're easily delighted. You remember Lazarus laying at the gate of the rich man? What was it he wanted? Did he want a bed? Did he want a million dollars? He said, if I could just have a crumb that fell from the rich man's table. You remember that little Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was vexed with the devil? She said, Lord, help me. He said, it's not meat to give the children bread unto dogs. She said, truth, Lord, but the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. I tell you what she was. She's poor in spirit. If she'd have got a crumb, and she did get more than a crumb, but she'd have been happy with a crumb. I'm telling you, that's the way it is with God's people. When they're poor in spirit, you can't hardly find them complaining because I got too much to praise him about. There's too much to be thankful about. He's been so good to us. We're just trying to catch up on our thanking him. Where I was recently, a young couple in the church adopted a little girl from Bulgaria. She'd been in an orphanage Her parents had dropped her off on the steps of the hospital when she's 18 months old. She'd lived in that orphanage till she's 12. They had to go through all kinds of things to get her and adopt her, and finally they got her. She's the sweetest little thing you've ever seen. Everything amazes her. Everything delights her. My daughter, the preacher took my daughter Bethany, or preacher's wife took my daughter Bethany out and that little girl's mother and her, and they went out and, and did a little shopping and when she came back, we met him for lunch. She had this little ink pen and on the top of it had this fuzzy stuff. And I called her by name and I said, where did you get that? And she pointed over my daughter Bethany and said, bet that, bet that gave me that. How she was so thrilled with that little ink pen, with that, she called it the hairy pen. That little ink pen with the fluffy stuff on the top. Uh, most of us would look at that and say it's not much. But that little old girl, listen to me, that little old girl, she hadn't had much. She was really poor. And so every little thing delighted her. I'm going to tell you, when you're poor in spirit, every little thing that God does, it may not look like much to somebody else. It may not mean much to somebody down the street. But every little thing that God does, you want to say Lord you sure have been good to me you sure have blessed me you sure are a wonderful God we're easily delighted so you preach preacher am I do I qualify as poor in spirit well let me ask you are you extremely desirous for God to work in your life and take you beyond where you are right now Are you entirely dependent on him? Do you find yourself so often say, oh, Lord, you're going to have to help me. 
Oh, Lord, I can't do this without you. And are you easily delighted? I call some preachers, I've always called Brother Shane this, he's got a short fuse. It don't take long for him to go off. You know what I think? I think he's easily delighted. I want to be easily delighted and think about what God has done in my life and thank him. And what's the result of this? Well, now look what it said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me read you this verse, Isaiah 57 and 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. God said I'm in the high and holy place but I'm not there all by myself. I've got some folks gathered around me. It's those folks with that contrite and humble spirit. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the poor in spirit. Those uh, that know what they are. They have a right assessment of themselves and they recognize how much they need God and they're asking him for help and they spend their time thanking him. They're in that kingdom with him in that high and low Lofty place. One old saint put it this way. I I prostrate myself in worship before him who has given me grace to work. And afterwards, I rise happier than a king. Oh, friend, if we're poor in spirit, We can dwell with him. I'm not talking about eternity. We'll dwell with him in eternity. I'm talking about his presence today. I'm talking about his presence now. Happier than a king. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Let's bow our heads a moment.